I will be reading from Philippians 3, 1 through 10. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evil doers, those multi those multilators of the flesh. For it is who we it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit who boast in Jesus Christ, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. I if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of the Pharisees, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to make, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Appreciate that reading, brother. Uh, good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. Uh, a resume, all right? A resume is a short account of one's career and accomplishments. It's, it's uh, sort of set out to make sure the employer knows that you're uh, your strengths. Uh, it introduces you to your potential employer and it talks about experience and skills. And, and uh, the bottom line, here's what a resume is supposed to do. The bottom line, the resume is supposed to make you look really good. Now, I want to let you know that not all resumes really hit that mark. There are some resumes that have actually missed that. Let me give you some examples here. Uh, one person read a resume where the kid misspelled the word diploma to diploma. Uh, the bad, really bad part about that, it was that he learned out that that was going to be his boss, all right? There was a supervisor interviewing this other person, and uh, this person had worked at Walmart, and his resume was, was riddled with uh, spelling errors. It was really, really bad, but under his job title at Walmart, he was a night stalker. <laughs> okay, needless to say... He did not get the job, but they are watching out for him. <laughs> Another supervisor was reading this application, and, and they get, this person gave a couple reasons for being fired. The first, they said, uh, first off is, I'm frequently on the phone in front of my boss. And number two, I forgot to attend a mandatory meeting. And no, he did not get the job. I like this one. One resume said this, consistently contributed to the success and failures of projects. <laughs> I want that guy on my team, all right? Um, this one is just warms your heart. I was working for my mom until she decided to move, all right? 
one other one was, when it's, you know, on some they talk about your marital status. One person put this, often. <laughs> and if you really want somebody who has a lot of talent, one resume read this. I scored 10,800 points in Space Invaders and got all 252 stars in Mario Brothers. Now, I want to let you know, here's the thing. Resumes, at the, at the core of them, they're supposed to do this. They're supposed to make me look good. And most of the times when we do resumes, we do resumes for a job. But today I want to talk about another type of resume. And this resume is not found on any sheet of paper. And the resume is not presented to any supervisor the resumes that I want to talk about today are presented before God, and they're written on our hearts. And what these resumes that we give to God, here's what we're hoping. We're hoping that God will accept us, that He will love us, and that He will save us. That God, again, will accept us, love us, and save us. We're in the middle of a series called Endings Bring New Beginnings. And today what I want to talk about is, I want to talk about the end of our life's resumes and the beginning with a walk with Him. It's really called the end of me and the beginning of Him. Some of you and a lot of us have maybe never had to write a resume for employment, but when it comes to resumes, let me suggest this to you. We all have resumes. I know that's the truth when we're beginning to talk about the resumes that sometimes we present before God. We all have resumes. And I want to let you know that we're really in good company. The Apostle Paul, if there was ever a guy who had a resume and could qualify for God's love, acceptance, and salvation, Paul would be the guy who had the perfect resume. And for just a moment is, I just want to say this, we all have resumes, and I want to talk a little bit about Paul's resume. It's found in Philippians chapter 3, I hope you had your Bible open when we were doing the reading, Philippians 3, 4 through 6. Again, if acceptance, love, and salvation was based on a resume, Paul would be overqualified. He'd be a, have a top-notch resume, and it'd be for these following reasons. First off, he had ritual purity. He was circumcised on the eighth day of Israel, which means this. He wasn't grafted in at a later date in the life of, to be an Israelite. Number two is this. He had racial purity. Racial purity that he was an Israelite. He was chosen as God's people. He was from an elite tribe of Benjamin where the first king came. He had cultural purity. He had pedigree. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, and that phrase there is really, really interesting. It means this, he had Hebrew parents, he spoke Hebrew language, and he practiced Hebrew traditions. Not only did he have that, but he had religious purity. He was a Pharisee, which was the strictest, the strictest sect in the Jewish nation. He was also, as far as religious zeal, he persecuted Christians. And finally, as legalistic righteousness. He was faultless. And, and I had to, I, I was thinking about all this, and I go, okay, yeah, that sounds really good, but what's a picture that I could show of Paul? And I want to let you know, Paul had drip. 
And if you don't know what that means, go right up here. They'll tell you, all right? In other words, here's this. It means this. If resumes were about me, me was looking really good when they talked about Paul. And as we read Paul's resume, it's really, in a sense, really hard for us to identify, right? It's really hard for us to identify. I mean, I'm not Jewish. I don't know anything about tribes. And, and yeah, we're all born into a culture, but there's really nothing special about our cultures. And I don't go around persecuting Christians. And so it's really, really hard for me to sort of understand or identify with Paul's resume. But it doesn't mean we don't hold resumes in our hearts. Our resumes just look different because we all have resumes. And here's some examples of some resumes I brought with me that we might present before God. The first one is the heritage resume. Uh, The heritage resume emphasizes my spiritual heritage and lineage. And, And it sounds something like this. You know, I've been a member at this church for, and you fill in the number of years. Or how about this? I want to let you know that I was a charter member of this church. You know, so-and-so baptized me. They baptized me. I'm the third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation Christian. Or how about this? My daddy was a preacher. My daddy's daddy was an elder in the church. And here's what this resume says to God. God accept me. God love me. God save me because I have a great, great heritage. Oh, here's a good one. It's the church resume. Uh, The church resume focuses on works we do for God. Here's what it sounds like. You know that I've read my entire Bible this year. I'm leading a very, very important ministry for this church. You know, I led X number of people to the Lord this year. You know, I baptized, you know, I'm studying with and fill in the blank. If the doors are open, guess what? I am what? Here. Or how about this one? I'm an elder. I'm a deacon. I'm a teacher. I'm a minister. I'm a ministry leader. And I work really hard for this church. The work resume says this, God, I want you to look at me, and I want you to look look at me and all my works. And when you do, when you look at all the works that I do, here's what you're going to find out you're going to find out that you should love me, that you should accept me, and that you should save me. Now, this one's a little deceiving. It's what I call the brokenness resume. And when you read this resume, it may not seem like it's about me, but if you listen really carefully, it's just like the other two resumes. It reads like this. Here's what the brokenness resume says. You know, I was addicted to porn. I was addicted to alcohol, I was addicted to drugs, but Jesus came into my life, and now I'm clean. I lost my job, I lost my family, I, feel, I lost my, and you fill in the blank, and then I became a Christian, and guess what? I got a new job, I got a new family, etc. I was struggling with anger, language, greed, and whatever other sin you want to put in there, but Jesus has given me victory every day. See, the brokenness resume sounds a lot like it's about God, but if you really peel back the layers of our heart, it really is about me. And then there's others, you know, that I don't want to go into detail. There's the, hey, listen, I'm a successful person resume. 
The other one is, is hey, I am a really, really, really good, uh, good person. All these resumes. But here's the problem with resumes. Here's the problem with our me resumes. When it comes to me resumes, there's a huge problem. The me resume says this. It will never, ever make us good enough or right enough for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ever. Ever. Now, listen to what I'm saying here. It's not that any of the things I mentioned before are bad. Listen, God... God wants to have a relationship with us. We need to have a relationship with Jesus. It's important for us to be here at church. Listen, God doesn't want our lives to be consumed with habitual and destructive sin. These are all really, really good things. But my life resume, whichever one I bring before God, is not the thing that makes me right before God. You see, on a dusty road, on the on, Paul, on, a dust, on a dusty road on Paul's ways to Damascus, here's what happened. God let Paul know that his resume wasn't good enough. And in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, Paul says, as long as you keep clinging to, even just to the slightest degree of our own righteousness, our own acts, We cannot fully enjoy the righteousness that comes from Christ. Being right with God only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. I, listen to this, I can't find Jesus if it's about me. Did you hear that? I can't find Jesus if it's about me. And that's why resumes, our resumes, our me resumes, fail. They just don't make us right before God. So the question is this. How do I have an end to the me resumes? How do I end the me resumes? And I have an end to me and I begin to walk in Him. I begin a new beginning with Him. And, And here's what's really cool about this passage that was read for us. Paul, within this passage, is actually going to tell us how to do that. In the passage, he says, to the, he says this, I am going to show you what it means to say an end to me and to begin to walk with him. I'm going to show you what that looks like. And that journey starts with this. The journey to the end of me and the beginning of him starts with this. An end to the way I think about me. Now, I want you to look at your Bibles, your phones, or whatever, and I want you to notice real carefully verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8. He is going to use this word, consider or counted. And in two short verses, he's going to use this word three times, which means this. Translated, it's really, really important. And what you, if you look at that word, it literally means to lead or command. But figuratively, it means this. Figuratively, it means to deem, consider, or account. So here's what Paul is saying when he uses that word. I have come to the conclusion. I have deemed that everything about me was not getting me right with God. Now, that's incredible if Paul's saying that. 
And he's going to use it three times and watch how he uses it. The first time he uses it, he's referring to all his accomplishments. All the accomplishments he talked about in 4 through 6, all those things. He uses that and he says this. I want to let you know all that stuff I thought was an asset in my relationship with God, I now consider loss. My resume may have made me look good and look like an advantage, but it wasn't. It didn't get me any closer to God loving, accepting, and saving me. The second time he uses it, he does something like this. He just doesn't take his resume, but he takes his entire life. He says, everything that I am, everything that I do, all that stuff, all of life, all of it, I take it into this pile and here's what I do. I consider it and I count it a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. And then he does something that is even more incredible. He looks... The third time he uses this, he looks at all the stuff, all his me stuff. And he looks at that and he looks and he goes, rubbish, garbage, dung, refuse, only fit to be thrown in the trash. And that's the third time he uses it. And it's this huge word. But I want to let you know, I want you to follow this word a little bit further, all right? Because it has a time elephant. Element. There is an elephant in the room, and I just said it. Element. There's a time element to this, all right? Hey, that's my word, Monty. The first one, that, that's the second, yeah, right. There's a time element to this, okay? There's a time element. The first time he uses it, he says, I, past tense, took all my resume and considered it garbage, table scraps. And then there is a present. The other two times he uses it, he uses it in the present tense, which means this. I keep on doing this. Whatever comes into my life, whatever I hope, you know, whatever I comes into my life that I think for just a moment that God's going to accept me and he's going to love me and he's going to save me based on that, I keep considering it a loss. That's amazing. And so the application for me is simple but profound, right? In order for there to be an end to me and a new beginning to him, I must change the way I think about my me stuff. And I take all the me things which I believe will help God love me, accept me, and save me, and I consider them a loss. It, it looks something like this. Hey, um, Monty, what would you think of that heritage resume? It was pretty good, right? You like that? That was a good one, huh? Trash. Oh, the church resume. Yeah, that was a good one, right? A lot of works. You like that one? Trash. Oh, the brokenness one. Ooh, it sounds like God's right there, right, Eric? It's like, it's right there. Trash. 
Oh, the good person one. Yeah, I'm a good person. Good person. Trash. Successful. The successful person. Trash. In order for there to be an end to me, there must be a new beginning to the way I think about me. The question is then, how and why, right? Paul, how, how in the world would you take all the me stuff and count it as loss, as table scraps? Why would, how, would you, how could you do that? And, and here's the other question is, Paul, why in the world would you do that? Paul, why in the world would you take all this stuff and consider it rubbish? And he could do it because there's a new beginning. And the new beginning is this. The new beginning is first found in the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. In chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, Paul's going to use the word knowing. It's a profound word. It's, a, it, it's an impressive word. And he also ties it into this. We need to know the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to take a look at that. When he says the surpassing value or the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, you know what he's saying there? He's saying this. My knowing Jesus Christ towers over everything in my life. Everything. Family. Loved ones. Works. Membership. Leadership. Whatever it is. What he's saying here is this. My relationship with Jesus Christ towers over everything in my life. Everything. And then he includes this. And I want to know Christ. And we talk a lot that, about that a lot, right? We talk a lot about knowing Christ. And so I started to look at what that meant. And it, it really comes down to a few words. And it means this. It means so much more than knowing facts about Jesus. It means so much more than just knowing simple facts. You know what it means? It means that I know him here so that it will impact here and come out here. Do you see that? That I know Jesus here so much it impacts here and comes out here. It means to be this. It means to be intimate with Jesus Christ. And so the application, the application for us today is this. Very, very simple question. How is your relationship with Jesus? Seriously, how is it? How is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Can I tell you, i got to confess to you, this world has a horrible way of blocking the supremacy of Jesus, doesn't it? It just blocks that view. And I want to let you know it's, it, it's hard because when we're doing life, there's work and there's schedules and there's kids and there's health and there's a whole host of other things that cause us to look up one day and we go, when was the last time I spent time with my friend Jesus? When was that? 
I have no idea. And so today, let your, this day be the day where you once again look to the horizon of your life and go, I am going to spend time with my friend Jesus. And I'm going to let him tower over everything in my life. Number two is this. A new beginning comes in the power of the resurrected life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the anchor that tethers the whole of Christianity. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 says this. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the Jesus, uh, by the resurrection of when he was raised from the dead. Romans chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says this the resurrectional is integral in our new birth in Jesus Christ. Paul will say it this way there is power in the resurrection, and he'll use the word dynamo, where we get dynamite. There is dynamite power in the resurrection. And you know when we experience this? <laughs> there you are, John. There's John right over there. One of our newest babies in Christ. You know when we experience that? When we're baptized into his death and then we're raised up for a new life. A new life in him. It's a new beginning because it's tied to the resurrection and it reminds me this, that there's nothing in my resume that will ever, ever compare to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? There is nothing, absolutely nothing that compares to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's nothing on my me resumes that ever compare to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? And finally is this, it's a new beginning in his sufferings. Now, i got to let you know something. This seems so counterintuitive to me, right? Think about it for just a minute. We're talking about a new beginning, and then all of a sudden, Paul's talking about suffering and death in the new beginnings. But we got to understand what the, the context of the new beginnings. It's new beginnings in him. It's new beginnings in him. The in him contextualizes the suffering that we're to do. Paul will say it this way in Galatians Chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but what? Christ who does what? Lives in me. Earlier in this book, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29, he goes, listen, you think it's a blessing to know Jesus? Let me tell you another great blessing. Suffering. Can I tell you another great blessing of Jesus? Suffering, death. That is a blessing. And here's the reason why. Listen to this. Suffering is our safeguard from the perilous danger of trusting in ourselves. Okay, let me say that one more time. Suffering and sufferings are the safeguard from the perilous dangers of trusting in ourselves. So, we listen. We listen to our dear brother James when he says this. Be patient. 
I don't like the suffering, God. I don't like death, God. Be, be patient. Be patient. Why? Just, just be patient. And then, in a crazy statement, Paul will say in Romans chapter 5, Rejoice. But you don't understand, it hurts so bad. I understand. I understand. Be patient. Be patient. Rejoice. 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 It's hard. I understand. Be patient. Rejoice. And so we do our best to do this. As difficult as it is, as difficult as it is, let's not complain about suffering. Let's not complain about death. Because it is a safeguard. It is a safeguard for us from trusting in ourselves. It's a safeguard so that we don't rely upon our me resumes to stand before God and hope that He'll love me and accept me and that He'll save me. Endings bring new beginnings. I don't know where you are on this journey. I know some. But I want to tell you this, is that we're here to help you. We're here to help you to have this. An end of me and a beginning with Him. And if that means you need to be baptized into Christ, just like John was, man, let's do that. Let's do it today. Let's do it right now. But if you're struggling... If you're struggling with the end of you, we're here to help you to have a new beginning as we stand and as we sing.